This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. It's good to see you here if you're a guest or maybe first time in a long time. Uh, My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel. We're thrilled that you're here with us. You're joining us about three quarters of the way through our summer message series where we're walking through Paul's letter to the Philippians. Philippians is his most encouraging letter. Um, He doesn't write to address problems or correct behaviors. He just writes to say, hey, I've heard about what you guys are doing. I've heard about how the church is growing. I've heard about how you're faithful to Jesus. So just keep going. Just keep doing it. Keep moving forward. And so our hope this summer is to hear those same messages from the scriptures, apply them to our lives, and keep moving forward in our pursuit of the things that God is calling us to. Um, Each week I've been sharing with you some encouragements of just things that I've observed or that others have shared with me uh, about our kind of our community, our walk with the Lord, the things that we're doing. Um, So a couple this morning. First of all, I want to thank you and encourage you for being such a hospitable church, such hospitable people, so welcoming, um, serving intentionally in guest services and kids ministry and other places on Sundays to help people know when you're here, we're glad you're here, you're welcome here. Um, Two things that reminded me of that. First of all, two weeks ago, uh, one of my buddies from college came and preached for me, and or for us, actually, I wasn't the only one here that Sunday, but... um, But his name was Nick, and Nick is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He and his wife were here, and the Saturday before he preached for us, my daughter and I took him over to the gathering place. And so we're walking around, and it was a typical Tulsa experience. And and if you're from here, been here a long time, you know what that is, that as we walked by almost everyone, we said hello, right? Whether we knew them or not, because if you walk by someone, and especially if you make eye contact in Tulsa and you don't say hello, we're afraid you're a serial killer um, because it's just, it's a friendly culture. And so we were, we were walking through. Now, I'd went to Pittsburgh a couple of months before, and, and if you're from there, no offense, it's just not as good as here. Uh, but, uh, and I, was, I walked around with Nick and kind of told him, like, hey, how come when I say hi to people, they, they like, divert their eyes? He was like, because they don't know you. So, like, and I don't really consider myself a super friendly, outgoing person, but we had been at the gathering place for maybe 10, 15 minutes, and Nick, uh, he had finally had enough with random people saying hello to him. And he told me, he's like, this is unbelievable. Tulsa is the Canada of the United States. (laughs) Nick, that does not make sense. But we went to college together, so I can get where maybe you got confused. Um, So uh, I said, what do you mean? He's like, it's just, why is everyone so friendly? Everyone says hi all the time, like it's just because it's God's country, I guess, you know, whatever. Uh, but, but so we had that talk, and, and then when they came to church the next Sunday, uh, he and his wife both told me, it's like, we're the pastors of our church. Your church is friendlier than they are to us at the church we go to. So well done for that. His church is good and healthy. Don't worry about him. He's fine. I don't think anyone from there listens to our podcast, but... <laughs> if they do, Calvary Irwin, yeah, yeah, um... Anyway, so, uh, but, so it's one thing to be friendly, and we do a great job of that. 
But what's unique about the church, I mean, you can just come to Tulsa and hang out with friendly people. What is unique about not just Christian Chapel, but other churches in Tulsa, is when that friendliness and hospitality is combined with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, it throws the doors wide open for people to not only experience God's presence, but to experience meaningful connections with each other. And so I wanted to share with you an email I received a couple weeks ago from a lady who was just visiting Tulsa. Um, She was staying with someone in our neighborhood. She was just here for about a month, and she sent this to us. She said, Dear Community of Christian Chapel, my name is Marty, and I live in Barcelona, Spain. I am married. I'm a mother of two children, and I work in a high school. I'm a language teacher. This July, I've been single in Tulsa doing a volunteer job at the day center of the homeless. On July 7th, I was walking, and I found your church. It was time for the service of 1045. I entered, and immediately a woman came up to me who presented herself and welcomed me. Since then, every Sunday I have attended the service, and every Sunday someone has come to welcome me. In addition, I almost do not speak English. Every person who was presented was looking for an interpreter to help me express and understand. So I met a lovely family, Juan, Marlita, and their children. They've invited me to lunch with them every Sunday and have opened their home. They are pure generosity. I write this email to thank the community for your immense hospitality, your genuine welcome to an unknown. I do not know how to express it. You did not owe me anything. And every Sunday, every Sunday, someone has come to me to say, you're welcome here. When you're alone, this is so important. And I also write to tell you something that you surely know. Every time, in every service, I have noticed the Holy Spirit among us. For years, I did not notice. I have followed the sermon without understanding almost anything. I do not know much English. But capturing the general message and seeing how God was there and he talked to us. The music and emotion of people has come to my heart. Thanks. On Sunday, July 28th will be my last Sunday. Before leaving, I needed to say this. Thank you. Thank you for your hospitality and your generosity. And thanks for sharing with me your encounter with God. It was wonderful. And so, I I mean, like I got that email, and here's the thing. I had no idea who that was. She came for a month. I never met her a single time. I couldn't pick her out. But you were there. You said hello. You went and you figured out quickly. Doesn't speak English, speaks Spanish. I know someone who does. Went and found someone. You opened up your homes. You created a space where someone could encounter the presence of Jesus in ways that cross the bounds of language, of culture, uh, of all sorts of things. And so I just want to encourage you, keep doing that. Keep moving forward in your service. Keep moving forward in your surrender to the Lord. When you came in this morning, there were these uh, serving cards that were on your seat. If you would like to be uh, a part of helping us in, in any capacity, create those environments, build those connections, have those opportunities for others to experience the, the life-changing power of Jesus, there are all kinds of ways you can do that. Introverted, extroverted, highly skilled, unskilled, doesn't matter at all. There's a place for you to serve. When you serve, you're part of helping other people experience Jesus. When you serve, you form meaningful connections with each other. When we serve, we worship God. And so if you want to fill those out, you can drop them off in the box at the back of the sanctuary on your way out. You can drop them at the Welcome Center. Give them to any of our pastors. Uh, We would love to get you connected and, and help you help others find their place in God's kingdom. So just keep doing it. 
keep going, keep moving forward. Um, emails like that are, are so encouraging. Stories like that are so wonderful for us to hear, and it's happening every single week. So thank you for all that you're doing to be a part of that. Now, with that said, we're going to jump into Philippians chapter 3. We're looking at verses 15 through 21 this morning. Paul writes, All of us then who are mature should take a view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, real quick, we're going to work our way through this, this uh, section of Scripture this morning and see what it teaches us about moving forward in our relationship with Jesus, about minding our influences, and about knowing both our destination and our identity. So first of all, in, in 15, Paul's basically telling us, hey, don't stop. He says, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. So we'll, we'll look at this in, in two sections. First of all, he says, all of us who are mature. So he's presenting us with the idea of there are uh, seasons in life where we are immature in our faith, and there are seasons of life where we are mature in our faith. Now, you, you need to understand something really important, and we'll get into it even more in a minute. Um, to be mature does not mean you have stopped growing. To be mature is a recognition that I will never stop growing. But we are not intended, and you can't find any precedent for it in the Scriptures, for somebody who says, I said yes to Jesus, I started following him, I surrendered my life, and from that day until the day I died, I did not grow in any way in my relationship with him. We are supposed to be growing, maturing, learning more and more about Jesus. And, and Paul makes this little statement. He said, all of us who are mature should take a view of such things. Now, the things he's referring to goes back to what uh, Chris Godfrey preached to us about last week from Philippians 3, 12 through 14, where Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, to be mature in your faith is to recognize you will always be maturing in your faith. Right? There is no summit you reach there's no mountaintop where you stop and sit down and decide, I have learned all I have learned. I, I, I have experienced all that I need to experience. I know everything about God that there is to know. If Paul himself, the author of 13 books in the New Testament, says, I do not consider myself yet to have attained it, then I can promise you I have not attained it and neither have you. Right? And, and so this, this idea 
that we could somehow progress to the point that we no longer need to learn or know or experience anything more about God is completely false and has to be rejected. In fact, do you know what you call someone who has learned everything there is to know about God and doesn't need to be taught by anyone? You call them a cult leader, right? So if, if that's what you want, okay, but that's what we're going to call you, right? And you can go out and you can mix your Kool-Aid and you can do everything you want, but nobody's coming with you. Anytime as Christians that, that we get in a spot where we kind of look around the room and we feel like, I'm the smartest person here. I'm the most spiritual person here. I know more about God than anyone here knows. When we're in that spot, it is not a point of pride. It should be a point of terror. Because it means we have started to move away from the gospel. We've started to isolate ourselves from Christian community. We've started to elevate ourselves above others. And we have lost the wonder, the mystery, and the supernatural nature of our faith. If Paul says, look, I have not attained it, but I'm going to press on until I do then you and I must take that same approach. We cannot stop maturing in our faith. We must keep moving forward, right? And and then he he tells us we want to live up to what we have already attained, right? So, So the idea of maturing in your faith, it's not that you're trying to mature to the point that God approves of you. Right? I'm not trying to say, okay, so, so I'm basically starting in kindergarten here, and when I, when I build up to whatever the equivalent spiritually of high school graduation is, then God's going to say, okay, fine, now I'll let you in. Right? But, but to mature in your faith means I'm going to live out of, I'm going to live up to what I've already attained. Again, you go back to the verses right before. Paul says, I want to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ has already taken hold of me. Our identity as the sons and the daughters of God is not something that can be earned or worked up to. It is a free gift of God. I mean, you read Paul's writings over and over and over again. He's telling us, you are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. None of your works make any difference in your salvation. But he's always going to come on the other side of that and say, you didn't earn your standing as sons and daughters. You didn't earn your standing as citizens of heaven. But now that Jesus has given you that identity, you have to live out of it. We have to sort this out. And and so that's what it means to be mature in our faith. It means I'm going to reject any form of teaching, any temptation that says I'm going to earn my way into the kingdom, that I can work to impress Jesus, that I can climb a little bit higher than others. We're going to reject all that. We're going to say, no, 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 because I am in, I will now live in certain ways. You've had this experience in your life, right? Maybe you started a new job. And if it's a a healthy work environment, then that workplace already has a certain culture that's there. And one of the the responsibilities of your new employer is to teach you about the culture where you work. And so maybe you've worked a lot of other places before. Maybe you know how to do certain projects, how to interact with certain clients. But there are going to be times where they come to you and say, hey, that's not how we do that here. Because of your identity as an employee of this company, this is now how we behave. This is now how we handle that problem. This is how we make that sale. This is how we treat that customer. This is how we treat that vendor. And they're going to constantly be telling you, hey, let's live up to our identity. Let's live up and live out of our values and who we are, right? And there might be some times where they're having to tell you that's not who we are. 
We don't respond like that. We don't do that. If, if you've ever maybe grew up playing sports, if you ever joined a new team, if it, again, healthy culture, healthy environment, that coach, those players who are already on the team, they're telling you, this is what we do. This is how we work. We don't cut corners. We touch the line in every sprint drill. This is who we are. Some of you, you had this experience when you, you moved into a, a neighborhood that had a homeowner's association, right? And they made it very clear to you, this is who we are, and you better live up to it. And so you got that nice little note in your mailbox that said, welcome to the neighborhood. We're so glad that you're here. Please get the pickup off blocks in front of your yard. We don't do that here. Right? And then they followed it up in the fall with, will you please stop gutting your deer in your driveway? We don't do that here. Right? Will you please stop letting your dog tree the raccoons by the neighborhood pond? We don't do that here. Right? And it's just anywhere where a culture is in place, there's also an expectation of behavior. And this is what Paul is telling us. We are coming into a culture as citizens of heaven, sons and daughters of God. And because of that, we will now live in certain ways. And we're not living that way to try to earn our identity. We are living that way because we have received our identity. And the difference in the approaches to the behavior makes all the difference in the world and what it does for your heart. Because if you think you're working to live up, to earn it, to, to prove that you're worth it, then all your efforts are going to bring death to you. But if you understand, no, I've been given it, so now it's my joy to live this out, then it's going to be a life-giving process for you. And so, so Paul's just telling us, hey, if you're going to mature in your faith, you've just got to understand it's, it's always forward progress. You've never arrived. We're going to the very last breath to learn more and more and more about Jesus. And, and then he starts to teach us, hey, part of this maturing process is to understand that others are going to be influential in your maturation. So he goes on to tell us in verse 18, or sorry, in verse, uh, let me find it here, verse 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Paul's telling us, if, if you want to mature in your faith, you're not going to do that in isolation. Right? There are going to be people. So he tells them, he phrases it in one of his other letters, follow me as I follow Christ. And what he's telling the Philippians here is, if you live like I live, you will mature in your faith. And if you will model your lives after others who are living like I live, you will mature in your faith. And it points us to, to two ideas. First of all, we all need people in our life who serve in those mentor capacities for us, who are role models, who say, hey, I've gone there, I've been there, I've done that. The second thing is that we need to be serving in those roles for those who are coming behind us. Now, these mental roles, they, they really are not age-based in, in really any way at all. It's all about your experience with the Lord. It's all about your, your maturity in the faith. It's all about your experience with the Holy Spirit and walking with him. And so there are some spaces in my life where some of the most profound voices are people in their, in their teens and 20s because they're teaching me about passion. They're teaching me about faith. Well, hey, God said it, so I'm going to do it, right? And, and I've kind of reached a point in my life of God said it, and I know you're going to do it, but can we sit down and count the cost first? They're like, no, let's just do it, right? And I, I need that mentorship of those who are coming behind me that just says, no, it's full passion, it's all in, let's go. I need the mentorship of those who are going ahead of me too, though, who can, who can assure me, hey, when your kids get to college, God will provide. Like, I, honestly, I need that message probably once a month 
Because I look at their little college savings plans. It's like, Jesus, you're going to have to do something, you know, because I can buy a book right now for them. Um, so, so we'll see, right? When, when it comes to retirement, same thing. Look at those. It's like, come quickly, Lord. Uh, you know, however, however it works, we need those examples, right? And, and we also have that responsibility to share that with those who are coming behind us. We were never meant, and you will never mature in isolation. If you're going to mature in your faith, you're going to be part of a community. And that requires an intentional investment of your time and your energy to build the relationships where you can actually have honest conversations about what's it look like to be a Christian husband? What's it look like to be ethical in the workplace? These conversations don't occur between strangers. They occur between those who have built relationships together. And so I've got a, a couple questions, and, and I'll encourage you either maybe take a picture of this slide or, or jot these questions down to try to evaluate who is the influence in your life, all right? So, so first of all, whose opinion do I value? Uh, you know, opinions are like noses. Everybody has one, right? And they're different sizes and different shapes, and some you remember and some you don't. But, but with opinions, whose opinion do you actually value? Because lots of people can share something and it rolls right off your back. But when somebody shares an opinion with you and, and that begins to shape the way that you live, you need to pay attention because it means that person has a lot of influence in your life. Second one, whose advice do I seek? And think of all different kinds of areas in your life. When you're having, if you're married, if you're having marriage problems, whose advice do you seek? If you are, are dealing with difficulties at work, whose advice do you seek? Financial problems, health problems, parenting questions. Right? If you're a teenager, whose advice are you seeking about your future? Whose advice are you seeking about your dating relationships? Whose advice, who are you going to? Whose criticism stings the most? Now, you want to think of this when you're talking about mentors, but it's a really, really important one. Because the more someone's criticism bothers you, the more influence you have allowed them to have in your life. And again, there are some people who can say something to you and, and critique something you did or are doing. You don't give it a second thought. And there are others who criticize you, and it keeps you up at night, and it changes the way you act, and it changes the way you behave. You need to think about that. The, the next one, whose compliments do I desire? When you're going to work, when you're interacting with people in the neighborhood, when you're thinking about your future, thinking about your family, thinking maybe even about your appearance, who are you hoping will notice and say something nice to you about it? Because again, those whose praise you seek have a significant amount of influence in your life. The next one is, is more from a distance, but who am I reading? Who am I listening to? Who am I watching? What are those influences? And in our culture, where we are basically always reading, always listening, or always watching, this one is so incredibly important. Right? And, and honestly, this is the spot where people are going to have an influence in your life that you would never have a relationship with. Where you're going to open up your heart to messages and, and to things that people say that you would never want others to know about. The things you read, the things you listen to, the things you watch. Are they telling you, hey, let's move forward in our relationship with Christ? Or are they acting in ways that will detract you from maturing in your faith? These last two, they're, they're kind of related, but kind of, I guess, maybe for two different generations. So first of all, whose life do I want? When you look around and, and you see friends or family, you see neighbors or coworkers, and, and who is it that you look at them and just think, man, if I could just have his life, if I could just have his job, if I could just have her kids, if I could just have their house, if I could just go on their vacations, if we could just have money like that, 
If we could just have their marriage, whose life do you want? And then the, the, the millennial version of that is who do you follow on social media? And now I know for some of you, that last question, you can delete it, and that's fine. Don't even answer it. But, but for many of us, this is really an important question to consider. Who's, who are you following on social media? Because you're giving them a platform to speak into your life. Right? And, and, and through your likes, through your visits, you're showing them, I value what you value, and I want to be like you are. And so what we want to evaluate as we go through these questions is, are these people modeling for me a mature pursuit of Jesus, or are they modeling for me a rejection and a turning away from Jesus? Do these answers cause my heart to grow closer to Jesus or farther away from him? Because there are no neutral influences in life. Now, there's, there's a, a couple of warnings here. So first of all, if you read through that and your answer is no one, I got I don't look up to anyone. I don't seek anyone's advice. Um, you might be tempted to feel really proud of yourself this morning, but I'm going to beg you to please do some serious evaluation. People who don't allow others to have influence in their life are not some kind of standalone hero. They are people on the verge of destruction. Because what that means is the primary voice you're listening to is yourself. And no one lies to you more than you, and no one can talk you into bad decisions more than you can. And oftentimes when we're kind of teetering on the brink of making destructive choices, we will intentionally or unintentionally shut out voices that would call us out and begin to tell ourselves lies about why this is okay and why I deserve this and why if everyone else was in my situation, they would do the same thing. And so if your answer to those is no one, You're in a really, really dangerous spot this morning. The second, if you don't like the answers to those questions, you probably don't like your life. Because you are giving your time, your energy, and your talent to pursue something that you actually don't want to attain. If if your heroes, your role models, your mentors all have some some, these massive holes in their life, and you think, well, sure, they maybe they made it at work, or maybe they've got this, but but everything else is a disaster. Those are not the people to model your life after. And and Paul makes this really, really clear to us. He says, Look, you can follow me, and you can follow those who live like me, and we're gonna lead you on a path of spiritual maturity. He says, there is another option though. And that other option is in verse 18. As I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So the the big takeaway for some of us this morning is going to be, I've got to change my influences. Right, I, I've got to make some. I've got to make some choices about who I'm going to advise for advice about whose criticism I'm letting sink in my soul, about whose opinion I'm valuing, about who I'm following, about all of these sorts of things. And so, for some of us, the the, the number one thing you can do this week to move forward on a path of spiritual maturity is you can turn off those influences that are enemies of the cross of Christ. 
right? And, and some of them are, are going to be very plain and very obvious to you, that when I do these things, I feel farther from Jesus. When I hang out with this person, they pull me away from my faith, my values, and my principles. When I read these things, when I watch these things, when I listen to these things, that I feel my heart getting hard and cold. And so the way you're going to experience maturation this week is by turning those off and creating space to hear more from those who are leading you on a path of maturity. Now, for others of us, you're going to kind of go through that list, and there's not going to be anything overtly sinful in your answers, but you're going to know there are some spaces where, where maybe I'm just giving my time, my energy, my talent to things that, that just don't really matter, right? So, so both the, the blessing and the curse of being the one that preaches is that you get to work these things out ahead of time, right? So you guys get to hear it on, on, on Sunday and then tomorrow and tonight, and you're going to try to hopefully work through it and see what the Spirit's saying to you. Uh, for me, it's on Monday and Tuesday preceding where God is saying, like, hey, if you're going to get up and say that in public, you should probably take care of this. Right? And, and so with, with this idea of who are, you, who are you listening to, who's influencing you, one of the ways, and, and again, it's, it seems petty, it seems silly, but just to help you understand, it's not always huge, overt sin that causes us to pause our maturation. So one of the things that I love to listen to, and you can judge me if you want to, you probably will. One of the things that I really love to listen to are romance. Not, no, just kidding. <laughs> Some of your faces, we are leaving. No. <laughs> um, God's working on me with my sense of humor, first of all. Uh, secondly, no, what I, what I love to listen to is um, podcasts about the NBA. And so I, like, but, but, and some of you listen to those, and I know you enjoy them, right? But, but not just like podcasts about the NBA. I love the deep dives into like the rumor mill of the NBA. So I've been, been listening to a one a lot this summer, and there's this giant conspiracy theory that Paul George has to be traded to the Clippers because the NBA didn't allow him to be traded to the Lakers because of tampering. So he signed the deal with OKC knowing he was going to be here one year, and then we were going to get him to L.A. anyways, right? So now I know I've lost 98.5% of you. Another one and a half, talk to me afterwards because I've got some ideas. But, uh, but uh, so, so I just, I listen, and I listen to them when I work out. It's, it's just a fun, like, distraction. And so this week, I'm kind of working through that, and I get to that line of who are you reading, what are you watching, who are you listening to? And I'm realizing I'm giving, now again, please don't judge me, I'm giving like th- three hours a week, three, four sometimes if I'm honest, to these types of things that add absolutely no value to my life, that do absolutely nothing to help me mature in my faith, that do absolutely nothing but divert my attention away from things that would feed my soul. And and so what I've noticed even just in a short week is as I begin to lay those down and replace them with voices that are calling me to maturity, that are leading me, what I find is an influx of joy, an influx of of a, a divine sense of calling and purpose. And so for some of us, it's not even a matter of rejecting overtly sinful things as much as it is just saying, look, I have two options and I'm going to choose the one that I know leads me closer to Jesus. And in this process, as we mind our influences, we are either making it easier or more difficult on ourselves to mature in our faith in Christ. And then Paul finishes this passage by reminding us that when we're maturing in our faith, we will constantly remember our identity and our destination. He says it this way in verse 20, but our citizenship is, is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now, every day, you are being told who you are. You're being told where to find your identity. You're being defined by where you live, by what school you go to, by what your report card says, by what scholarships you were offered, by what team you play on. You're being defined by the color of your skin, by the way that you vote, by the amount of money in the bank. You're being defined by the cars that you drive, the clothes that you wear, the shape of your body. In all of these spaces, we are tempted to find our identity. And if we chase our identity in any of those areas, they are all ultimately going to come up empty because they cannot sustain us. We were always created for more than any of these temporary identities. And so what Paul is trying to remind us of is, look, if you're going to mature in your faith, if you're going to realize I haven't attained it, but it's been given to me, then you have to live with a constant awareness that you are a citizen of heaven. The scriptures call us aliens and strangers. They call us those who are passing through. There's this constant theme in the scriptures of we are God's people and we live with our feet firmly planted in the earth and we work with our hands fully engaged with those around us and yet our hearts and our souls always have an awareness that there is more. And because we're citizens of heaven, it means we're going to suffer differently. It means we're going to endure sickness differently. It means we're going to walk through difficult seasons differently because we always know no matter how bad this gets, this is not permanent. There's more, there's more. And it is not some form of intellectual escapism to believe in the reality that we're citizens of heaven. Instead, it is an honest recognition that we were made by God for more than this. And just in case we don't get it, Paul tells us, in one day, one day, our lowly bodies will be made like his glorious body. Right? Every ache, every pain, every heartache, every hurt, all of that is going to fade away. And so Paul's just encouraging us, hey, you got to know who you are. you got to know where you're going and just keep moving forward. Immature faith says, life got hard, and so I'm going to stop until Jesus makes it better. Immature faith says, I said yes to Jesus, and he didn't fix everyone, so I'm done with him. Immature faith says, if he really loves me, he's going to clear the way and solve all my problems. Mature faith says, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He makes a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Right? This is the truth. We have to know who we are. To be mature in your faith means that before I was anything in life, I was a son, I was a daughter of God. Right? Before I was married, before I was a father, before I was a pastor, before I was a son, a brother, before I was anything to anyone, God called me his own. And because of that, he has now taken responsibility for my life. He has now taken responsibility for my path. And the same is true for you today. You might think if you knew what was going on in my life, you would not tell me to move forward. You would be more kind. You would be more gracious. You would be more compassionate. 
And I might come to you in, in kindness and graciousness and compassion, but the message would be the same. Keep moving forward. Before you were hurting, you were his. Before you were lonely, you were his. Before you were addicted, depressed, or in chains, you were his. And because he has called you a citizen of heaven, he has a purpose, he has a plan, and he has a power to make it happen. And he's got a destination in mind for you, and he's going to get you from where you are to where he wants you to be. But it requires a response from us this morning of I'm not going to be satisfied, I'm not going to be content, I'm not going to make excuses, I'm going to reject the wrong influences, I'm going to embrace the right ones, and I'm going to keep moving forward. Trusting in God's goodness, trusting in God's power, trusting that he can, he, he can do everything that he says he will do. He can renew, he can redeem, he can restore, he can set free. So if you'll stand with me this morning, I want to pray for us. The band's going to come and, and lead us in a song just to celebrate these realities. But God, we come to you today. And we come individually to lay down everything that is holding us back from moving forward in our relationship with you. God, forgive us of our immaturity. Forgive us for thinking that we have arrived, that we have learned all there is to learn. Forgive us for thinking that we don't need you and we can do this without you. Lord, I pray for those who do not have a relationship with you this morning that, that today would be the day they say yes to you would be the day that they allow you to forgive them of their sins, to cleanse them of all their past mistakes, and to move forward in their identity as the sons and the daughters of God. Lord, I pray for those whose faith has grown stale and stagnant. There is no life left in them. They have only memories of former experiences. Today, Lord, will you come and speak clearly to each one of us that you are not finished with us yet that you have purposes and plans for us. There are new experiences to have. There are new truths to discover. Lord, there are depths of our relationship with you that we have not even begun to explore. So Jesus, we come and we pray that your spirit would speak clearly and powerfully to us. Show us, Lord, who we are. Show us where we're going. And give us the power of your Holy Spirit to lead us there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you would like someone to join with you, either to maybe say yes to Jesus for the first time, for the, for the Spirit to come and breathe life into some dead spaces, if you'll head out the back doors and to your left, some of our pastors and volunteers will be waiting to meet you in the prayer room. The rest of us, we're going to sing this last song as, as our request, that God will come and break through it all to bring life, to bring healing, to bring salvation to us.
this morning, we believe the truth about who you are and God, how that affects us as well. Because God, our identity is not rooted in the things we've accomplished, the ways we've succeeded or failed, but God, we are first called to you. And Lord, we're reminded through this song this morning that you are a God who is powerful to break through into every area of our lives. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is joy, there is healing, there's peace. And God, you're doing that within us. God, remind us that we are not disqualified just because life has been hard, just because we failed. But Lord, you call us back to yourself. And by your grace, Lord, we find our identity as sons and daughters of God. Lord, help us to keep moving forward, to keep pursuing the life that you've called us to. Regardless of what happens around us, remind us that this is not our home, but our home is with you. God, that we have an eternal destiny and future that is secure through you. God, we trust in that. We trust in you this morning. And so, Lord, we keep moving. We keep pursuing. We keep seeking, Lord. We keep moving forward because you walk with us, because you empower us, because you give us your grace. Our trust, our hope resides in you. And God, we rejoice in that this morning. We rejoice that we can break through because you are doing it in us, because your spirit walks with us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your power at work within us today. Thank you for who we are in you. Help us to live up to that truth. Help us to pursue that, to keep moving forward. In Jesus' name we pray. get a chance, but you still feel the spirit tugging at your heart this morning that you need somebody to pray with you. There are still people available ready to pray with you today. But as you leave this morning, may you go in God's grace, may you go in his peace. Thanks for worshiping with us. We'll see you again next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.